see everybody here this morning. Thank you for being with us on just a nasty Sunday morning. Uh, but you got that extra hour of sleep, so you should be uh, real energized this morning. But this morning we're going to start a new series called Guardrails. And uh, this terminology is not um, old to, to you. Um, because I've talked about guardrails before when it comes to the will of, of God. And I've talked about how loving God is one guardrail and loving people is the other guardrail. And if you can stay in between loving God and loving people, then you're, you're generally in, in the will of God. And so um, this morning I want to uh, start this off, and we're, we're going to be talking for a couple of weeks just about parameters, about um, about things that can guard our lives and be principle for us even when we're not hearing clearly from God, okay? Um, and sometimes we don't hear very well from, from God, and we get frustrated at that. I'm going to talk about that in just a minute, but let me give you just an example. Some of you think, you know, you're driving down, down the road, and a, a Chris Stapleton song comes on, and you start singing, and you think you sound like Chris Stapleton, but you don't, okay? And that's because you're not hearing right, okay? And you need somebody who loves you to come in and go, hey, you don't sound anything like Chris Stapleton. Let's let him be the musician and you be the listener, okay? And so sometimes it's like that in our spiritual world. We, we want to hear well, but we just aren't hearing well. But I want to set, set this up by talking about season changes, it's a great time uh, for us to talk about that because we're experiencing it. And so when God created the earth, he set up seasons. Genesis chapter 8 and verse 22 actually tells us as long as the earth remains, there will, will be springtime and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night. Now because we live in Arkansas, we experienced all of that this week um, and you got to lo love it. But God also established what I will refer to this morning as life seasons. Things that you and I go through, things that we experience, seasons of growth, seasons of coasting, seasons of doing really, really, really well, seasons of, of having a lot of strength, and seasons of learning our weaknesses. These are all still set up by God. He established life seasons just as sure as He established climate change. And so an example of that would be sometimes we have relational seasons. People come and go in our, our lives and Hopefully we can hold on to some of those good relationships for our whole lifespan. We create an inner circle, but for the most part, unfortunately, the majority of people in our lives are called acquaintance. We, we see them, we work beside them. Some of you might sit on this side of the sanctuary, and some of you sit on this side, and so you see each other as you funnel out on Sunday, and you might say hello to them or have a great week, but that's about it. And some of you then form life groups, and you start to hang out, and you start to delve into real-life circumstances, and we have relational seasons. We have physical seasons. We're all getting older. Whether you like it or not, your body is growing. It's, it's getting older, and some of you, are your body is expanding. You don't like that either. And it's about to happen again because it's holiday season. We're all getting older, and, and then there's spiritual seasons, and spiritual seasons would be the ebb and flow of our discovering more about God. 
And we hit those sometimes. We, we do really well sometimes, and we're, again, we're hearing well, and we're listening well, and we're growing. And then some seasons it feels like we're just not in tune as we used to be. It's the ebb and flow of our discovery of God. All these are seasons that God has established. In Ecclesiastes, the, the author tells us in chapter 3 and verse 1, he says, listen, there's a time for everything and a season. For every activity under heaven, meaning everything that you and I can think of or label or compartmentalize this morning, there is a season for it. And we don't have time to go into all of those things, but, but there becomes this, this season, and, we, and we, we can see it. We can look at it and go, this is a great time for my kids, or this is a great season for my job, or this is a great time for me to be dreaming about what's next for my life. All of these are seasons. The New Century Version actually says, everything on earth has its seasons. I don't know if you know this. I didn't know it until this week. But do you know that farmers actually need snow in winter? Snow can have an insulating effect on soil. It can keep cold air temperature from reducing the soil temperature. And snow can also add moisture to soil and keep it from getting terribly dry during cold months. To apply that, the same is very true for your life. It's very true for my life that we need winter seasons sometimes to prepare the soil of our life for great growth in a different season that God has planned for us. Now, some of you, you've got a favorite season. And if we looked at it this morning, some of you go, I love spring. I love when everything turns new, and I love when, when the trees get full, and I love when my yard gets green. I, I love that. Some of you are, are winter people. You're like, I love it when it gets dark at 5 because then I can go to bed at 8. And some of you are like, oh, I love it because then I can put the mower up. I can just stop all this, all this mowing and trimming and cutting back. I'm sick of this mowing stuff. And so you love the wintertime. You love fire and you love coffee and you love you just love that particular season. And so that's how you want your life to be. You want to pick out a season and say, this is the one I want, Lord, and this is the one that I, I want to stay in. I want to stay in this sweet moment. But that's not how we grow. It's not how we develop. It's not how we mature. We've got to have all these seasons of life and embrace and love and see value in all of them. So let me give you a few facts about different seasons. The first thing is this. This is, is such a big truth. Seasons often come without a steering wheel. Meaning this, you and I love to be in control, okay? If you like being in control, raise your hand, okay? Yeah. We love being in control. I love that, that feeling too, okay? Um, my wife will not fly. I don't know if you guys know, know, know this, but she will not fly because she has a fear of not being in control. And so every little bit of turbulence, it's like, what is that? What's going on? Let's, let's press the button. Let's get somebody back here who can tell us what's happening. She wants the steering wheel. And a lot of times we do too, and seasons of life don't come with it. It's one of those things that you just have to trust and understand that we have a great pilot, that he knows what's going on, and you have to embrace that feeling of being out of control. It's very, very hard. You can't control that seasons are happening. You can't schedule their arrival. You can't predict how long they will last. 
And every day, someone who we know has all their plans and dreams evaporate because something in their life just suddenly happened. An unexpected moment. The start of a new season. The turning of of a page. And we look at them and we can see sometimes in in our journey, discouragement take place. Why? Because they want it to be spring just a little bit longer. They wanted summer just to drag out just a little bit longer. They wanted fall to stay. But it doesn't happen this way. And so we have to learn to find joy in every one of our life seasons in the same way that we find joy in every one of, of our climate changes. Seasons do not come with a steering wheel. These, these can be seasons of grief, seasons of illness, divorce, parenting. Ah, uh, parenting. Parenting has a lot of seasons, doesn't it? When you have a baby, I mean, you're carrying 75 pounds of gear. And you're walking around with stuff just in case something happens. And when you've got a toddler, they lose that baby smell. It's also here that kids start to depreciate in value. Like you, like, like you love them here and you can't stand them here. It's a, they finally start school, and what does that mean for you as a parent? You start school too. I mean, Riley's taking classes right now that I cheated in. So she's like, what do I do with this? I'm like, I don't know, because I just made like a little piece of paper and held it in my hand. and I don't know. <laughs> then eventually you empty nest, and I can tell which ones are empty nested because you're the happy people. You're... you're you come in, you're always smiling, you're happy, you're put together, like you washed your hair last night and fixed it, okay? Those are empty nest people, okay? But since we're talking about seasons, let me ask you a question this morning, and I want you to raise your hand on this really high. How many of you really struggle with waiting, okay? Waiting. Waiting is just irritating, yeah. We struggle. Some of this is cultural. Some of this we just kind of grew into, and, and we are so fast-paced. We want it right now, and and our, our businesses have created opportunities for us to just do things faster. I mean, the drive-through, and, 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 and we've got now you can just like order your groceries, go to the store, and they come out and put them in your car for you. I mean, now, thank you, God. I mean, there's just, a, there's just something great about that. We struggle with waiting, and here's why. Because waiting exists because most of our experiences are completely out of our control. I mean, if we could control it, we wouldn't wait at all. I, I, I don't like particularly Silver Dollar City, and if you do, that's fine. I'm not trying to create a debate this morning. But we went um, last year sometime, and we took Riley, and she had been since she was really small, and I thought, oh, man, we are fixing tear-ups from roller coasters. She hated it. It got scared to death, and we were there like a total of 18 minutes. But we get there, and lines are forming. I mean, they're, they're forming. And all of a sudden, we notice like people are coming in through an, another entry, and they're getting in line ahead of us on rides. And I'm like, now wait a minute. We've been standing here for 90 minutes. And you just walked up and get in line, and I see they're wearing like a lanyard, like a real special, like dipped in gold. It's like a lanyard. 
And I start asking about it. Hey, what is this thing? And they're like, this is the VIP pass. I'm like, well, we need it. We, I, want, I want to be a VIP. And so we start asking about it, and we inquire, and it's like, it's basically, it's, it's $999.99 per VIP pass. And they, they kept it under $1,000 for affordability. And so I'm asking about it, and I'm like, hey, you know, we want to be a VIP because we don't want to wait in line either. And I think a lot of times that's how I view my life experiences sometimes. Lord, what I really want, just hold on with me, Lord. I want to be a VIP. Like I want to make suggestions to you, and then you kind of do it. Because you're God, and you can do whatever you want. VIP pass. I'll do whatever it takes to pray more, read more, give more. What what, what do I got to do? I want the VIP pass. But life doesn't come with a VIP pass. So we wait. We do what is the result of our human condition, and we wait. We survive. We experience. We generate joy wherever we are. And if we are believers, we're even challenged by Scripture to do these things well. Peter said, when you suffer, I want you to suffer well. I want you to do it with a good attitude. I want you to do it with a smile on on your face. I want you to throw your shoulders back and lift your head up. And I want you to suffer well. Why? Because you are a believer. And believers experience the world differently than anybody else. And so this is something we have to get. Okay. Our life seasons can drag on and on and on and on. Some of you have been in a life season right now that you wish was over six months ago. And some of you can go through a, a, a life change, a life season, in 30 days. It all depends on how the Lord is growing you. Okay, Let me give you an, an example about how, how rapidly things can change. Some of you went to college and you said to yourself, this is a great time. For me to just focus on God. And you told your parents and all your friends, my freshman year is going to be about me and Jesus. And your first week, you saw a soccer player that looked like David Beckham. And suddenly that season for you and Jesus was over. I'm, in a week, it was gone. This was no longer going to be about you focusing on God. It was about you, God, and David Beckham. It was about all of you coming together to experience the love of God. So, Kevin, if God determines the seasons, who controls my life seasons? Like, if God set up Genesis 8.22, if he established the season, who's in charge of my life season? It's the same answer, the same God. The same God who causes spring To turn to summer and summer to fall and fall to winter is the same God that turns the pages in your life. It's the same God who creates change for me and for you. It's the same God who's growing us, who's stretching us, who is developing us. It's in His hands. Let me give you a strong verse here. Daniel chapter 2 and verse 21, he says this, God controls the times and, and the seasons, and he makes and unmakes kings. 
Meaning this, just what I, I, I just said. Is that God, yes, is ultimately over the universe and creation and everything in it and the changing of seasons. That is a principle that he put into place in Genesis chapter 1. However, he says he makes kings, he unmakes kings, meaning he is shifting and moving our lives according to his will and his plans, and those things will feel sometimes out of control. And we, we don't like it. The second thing I want to talk about, seasons often come with some confusion. Some confusion. Maybe you're here this morning and you identify with this. You are in a season and you are confused by it. You sit there and you wring your hands at night when everything's quiet and you wonder, what am I supposed to learn from this? Why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to, to them? How is all of this going to play out? And you let your mind race and race and race over the season of life that you are in. And it comes with some confusion. Okay, If you're a note taker, I want you to write this part down. Understanding always follows a season and never precedes it. Understanding always follows a season, but it never precedes it. Now watch this. Notice I, I didn't say wisdom. Okay, You can go into any, any season of life with wisdom, but you can't go into every season of life with understanding. It's not until the end that, that there's an aha moment. I get it now. It's not until after the fact, it's not until after God has moved you through it that you really get, this is what he was trying to do in me. So understanding always follows the season, but it cannot precede it. Okay, now Paul echoes this, or should I say I'm echoing Paul in what he said to the church at Corinth in chapter 13 and verse 12 of 1 Corinthians. He said, guys, listen, what we don't see things clearly. Okay, this is, is, is the message Bible. He says, we're squinting in a fog, peering through a mist. He said, this is what, this is what it's like to follow God sometimes. The King James Version called it looking through a glass Darkly. Meaning I'm, I'm looking through life and my filter is, is a glass that's dark. I mean, I'm squinting through a fog is what he's saying. And we feel this. We understand that. We, we read that and we go, I totally get it. Because I'm looking at my life right now. I'm looking at the season of life I'm in. I'm looking at how my relational seasons and spiritual seasons and financial season and my career season and, 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 and all of these things are changing for me. And I'm confused and I don't have a steering wheel and I feel out of control and I'm trying to know what's going on, but it's like looking through a glass darkly. When we look at our lives, here's one thing that, that we know. We always look back with amazing perspective. But we're always looking forward with amazing prediction. So we're, we're looking back and we go, wow, that right there. If I could talk to my 20-year-old self again, what, what would I say to them? If I could talk to my 30-year-old self again, what, what would I say to them? Why? Because we have this great perspective. But yet we're predicting about tomorrow because we don't know what's there. Meaning this, we don't know what's up there, but we sure know what happened back there. 
Okay. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, again, verse 11, says this. God does everything, I've read this to you before recently, just right on time. But he goes on and says, but people can never completely understand what he is doing. Meaning this, we know that God loves us. We know there's big principles in, in place. We know that we're trying to worship and serve and just be in the presence of God. But we do not understand what God is up to. And hear me, as mature believers, we have to be okay with this. Because if you're not okay with the ambiguity of following Christ, this is going to be the biggest thing that you wrestle with is you constantly wanting to know exactly what's going on. And God, before I make this move, I need to know what's going to happen. It's no longer like following by faith. We're shifting it back to going, I want to follow by sight. I want to go by what feels right. I want to know that when I take this step, there's going to be some solid ground there. And we, we remove all the faith from it because we're wrestling with this. With being confused, with being out of control. I want the steering wheel. And God's saying, that, that's, not, that's not how this works. I've got you in a season of life right now because I know you. Because I know what's going on in you. And this is where I want you. This is why you can't compare your life to someone else's. Because even though we're all on the same journey, we're all in different vehicles getting there. So God is saying, you've got to trust me with your life. Don't try to be somebody else. Don't try to live out somebody else's Christianity. Paul says, you work out, out your own Christianity. You work it out, out yourself. Okay, the third thing. Seasons often come with contrast. Life is full of contrast. We stand atop mountains in some seasons, and in others, we trudge through valleys. We undergo successes, and then the next season, we have 12 rounds with failure. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, 2 through 8, the writer gives us 28 different life experiences. Now, we know with climate, there's only four seasons. But in our lives, there are dozens and dozens of different things unfolding, experiences, things that we have to do and accept and live by and find joy in. Ecclesiastes says this, there's a time to be born, but there's a time to die as well. And when it's time to die, it's no longer time to be, be born. There's a time to laugh. And then there's a time to cry. And he separates them. There's going to be times when you need to cry. And then there's going to be times when you need to refrain from crying and get laughter back in your life. Different experiences. I love this one. He says, there's a time to find and then there's a time to lose. Okay? Now, we always go by this one because I think sometimes we don't know what really to do with that. So let me, let me just tell you what, what I'm, I'm digging on here a little bit this morning is, is this. This is one of the hardest choices in, in our life. Should I hold on 
or let it go? I mean, do I find it? Do I lose it? And we struggle with it. Do I hold on to this job? Do I let it go? Do I hold on to this relationship? Do I let it go? Rescue teams face this often. Do we keep on searching? Or do we give up the search? Find it and lose it. And Ecclesiastes tells us, this is real. This is going to happen to you. That you're going to have to differentiate and discern what season of life you're in. Is it a season to find it? Or are you in a season of opening your hands and saying, God, I'm going to let all these plates stop spinning. And whatever happens, at least I know I'm in your hand. It can be a tough season. He says, hey, there's a time to keep and a time to throw away. There's a room in every one of our homes that needs this verse right here. Okay? There's one thing that I have discovered. There are two kinds of people. There are hoarders and there are chunkers. That's right. Hoarders and chunkers, okay? Don't you be real honest. If you're a hoarder this morning, raise your hand. I knew you wasn't going to do it, so. If you're a chunker, raise your hand, okay? How many of y'all married each other? Okay, the Bible says do not be unequally yoked. To get, I'm trying to help you. There's some people that are hoarders and some people that are chunkers. The hoarders keep everything. I might use that one day. I might use that one day. Hey, keep that. I'm, I might use that one day. Okay? Then there's chunkers. We don't need that. We don't need that. We don't need that. Since there's a time for all things, and we need to identify these two guardrails that will sustain us in every season. Here they are for this morning. Waiting on God is one guardrail. Trusting in God is the other. If I can get these two guardrails plugged into my spirit, then no matter what the season I'm in, I'm going to find joy. When I stay between waiting on Him and trusting in Him as a principle, I'm not saying it's going to feel good. Your emotions cannot drive this because they lie. You've got to know I am waiting on God because I trust Him. And then it won't matter what happens. It won't matter what comes against you. It won't matter a frame of mind. It won't matter an outcome. The circumstance will not matter as long as I know I am waiting and trusting. In English, the word waiting means to stop. But in Hebrew, waiting means to trust. Now let me give you three verses really quick, all found in Isaiah. He is on a roll here talking about waiting on God. So Isaiah 40 and 31 We all know it. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Nine chapters later in verse 23, he says, Those who wait for me, watch, this is so good. Those who wait for me will never be ashamed. I like that. You know what God is saying here? If you wait on me, I'm not going to embarrass you. Man, that's good. If you will wait, if you'll stay between wait and trust, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to leave you hanging. I'm going to be there right on time. Isaiah 64, 4. Watch this. 
For since the world began, no one has seen or heard of such a God as ours, who works for those who wait for Him. What is that telling us? That while we're waiting, God is working. While you are waiting in your season and feel alone, and you feel like you're going to be stuck, and you feel like you can't figure it out in your own mind, and you're confused and you're uncomfortable because you're used to having the steering wheel and you're in control and everything in your life is great and organized and put together, but in this circumstance, you don't have the steering wheel. He's saying, I'm not going to embarrass you. Okay, wait on me. I'm working it out for you. The number one complaint of Christians, and I'm about to land this in just a second. The number one complaint of Christians is, I'm not hearing from God. Okay, now stay with me for a minute. We want to hear. We want a Moses experience. I want to go up on a mountain. I want him to write it out on a piece of paper. Hand it to me. This is what your life's going to look like. Follow this. And we're not hearing. We're frustrated. But Psalm 34 tells us that that's okay. Okay? Here's what King David said. He said, taste and see that the Lord is good. Kevin, I'm not hearing from God. That's okay. Relax. It's the season you're in. Notice that this verse, taste and see that that, that the Lord is good, says nothing about hearing. David is saying these are two senses, but they're, they're, they're different. They're not hearing. But you can experience God by tasting Him. Seeing Him. So if you're not hearing, relax. It's just a season you're in. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Perhaps God has stopped talking because He wants you to experience Him in a different way. To see Him at work. To taste the joy in your life without him in your ear. Just experience him in a, in a different way. Taste and see. But let's not pretend, okay? Some seasons are extremely hard. Matter of fact, there is an enemy who has a plan for our lives. The Bible clearly tells us that he's seeking whom he may devour. Does it sound good at all? But thankfully, watch this. David tells us in Psalm 23 and 5, he says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. And so while your enemies are rallied around you, God is preparing a table. And he's saying, it's really okay that you feel like everybody is against you. It's okay that, 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 that the enemy has a plan for your life. Because I have a plan for yours.
And so right now, in the middle of what you feel like is the worst time of your life, I want to prepare a table for you. And I believe that the Lord wants it just right. He's like, oh, I want to get this right. I want to, I want to make sure that when you sit down, you feel good. And I'm going to be over here. And you're going to be over there. And we're going to enjoy this time together in the presence of your difficulty. And so why would God choose a table? Because He wants to feed you. And what you feed grows. And so God is saying, listen, don't, don't be afraid. Like when you're overwhelmed and when you feel like the enemy has surrounded you and you're under attack and your, your thought life is under attack and your home is under attack and your, your career plans are falling apart and you're in a, in a different season, don't worry about it. I'm going to sustain you in the midst of your enemy. I'm going to set a table before you right now in the presence of the worst time of your life. And you're going to sit with me and I'm going to sit with you. And during this hard season, I'm going to feed you. And I'm going to grow you and mature you. And when I turn the page and clarity comes to you, you're going to know full well what the plan is. But right now what I need you to do is sit there and in the meantime, you got to stay between this guardrail. You got to wait and trust. Wait and trust. Wait and trust. And if you'll just stay there, all this is going to work out for your good. Okay? Now let, let me end this. Here's what we know every season has an expiration date, it's going to end. So if you're in a tough one right now this morning, listen, it's going to end. It has an expiration date. The page is going to be turned. It's going to be over at some point. Wait and trust. When you stay between wait and trust, you are safe. You are safe. You're in the hand of God right there. And even in the most challenging season, there is a table prepared. Kevin, I don't, I don't feel like there's a table, but that's because you're way over here somewhere. You're out of the guardrail. You've got to take initiative and pull up. You've got to pull up. I'm late on time, but do you remember growing up? We always had five o'clock dinner at our house. And we ate at the, at the table, okay? Now, for those of you who don't know what that is, it's this rectangular piece of furniture in your house that has stuff around it. And right now, you may have all kinds of stuff on it, like books and shoes and a cat, but it's made for eating. And my dad would always say, would you put your feet on the floor Pull, pull your chair up. Put that napkin in your lap. Act civilized. Knock it off. 
And you know that's still true for this experience. You've got to pull up. You've got to focus in. You've got to realize this is ready for you. But you have to do it. You have to do it. All right? I want you to bow your heads with me this morning and